Okay, okay, and welcome, welcome back to Unapologetically Black Unicorns. And this week, do I have one guest? Nope. Do I have two guests? Nope. Do I have three guests? Yes, I do. And I am so excited. And you know, I try to come up with all sorts of adjectives. Uh, For this, I will say that they are fantabulous, beauteous, and magnificent. Okay, those are the three... (laughs) (laughs) Those are the three adjectives, but really I'm just so excited because these are people that I've gotten to know and one that I've known for quite some time. And I'm going to do as I usually do. Don't do bios. I'm going to let my guests introduce themselves and I'll start with Crystal. Thank you so much, Karis. And I love those adjectives. Those are amazing. Thank you so much. It's a high bar being set here. What we're going to be talking a little bit about today is the well-being model for young Black adults that we co-created. So what we've been doing when we talk about this model is introducing ourselves using um, one of the nine domains that are in the model, whatever is speaking to us most in this moment in our lives. And so one of the domains of well-being is purpose, which is about loving what you do and creating the life you want while having your basic needs met and bringing hope and joy into your life. This might include being involved in activities that fuel your passion or your sense of purpose, like volunteering, work, school, or other educational opportunities, creative pursuits, spiritual practices, and much more. So that's the definition of purpose, and that's the domain I'll use to introduce myself. So I am Crystal Brando, and I am the principal and founder of CLB Strategies, LLC, which is a public health and race equity consulting uh, group that I founded and formed in July of last year, 2022. And that really gives me purpose um, and is something that is really allows me to practice my skills and also make connections and build with people, which continues to bring purpose to my life. I'm also the owner of Eighth House LLC, also formed in July of 2022, which is a handmade crystal jewelry wearable art business and brings a lot of purpose to my life. So I could say much more, but I want to make sure my colleagues here have time to introduce themselves. So I'll hand it over to Hakeem. Hi. Um, Using the domains, I would say spirituality. Um, And so having hope and believing in something larger than yourself. Uh, This includes finding meaning in your life. This may or may not include religious affiliation and related activities. And I chose that because I believe that I'm a spiritual being having a natural experience. And I want that to be reflected in everything that I do. And so my name is Hakeem Asadi. I'm a licensed social worker. I'm the founder and owner of Beyond Living. It's a private practice supporting mental and emotional wellness. Um, And I'm a mental health and emotional wellness advocate in everything that I do, all the different conversations, whether it's family, whether it's friends at happy hour or at a coffee shop. (laughs) I want to talk about our wellness because it's so important that we heal. And so having spirituality in mind and a part of who I am, the reason why Beyond Living is the name is because how do we live beyond fear or any other barrier that is preventing us from living a full and abundant life? And I'll toss it over to Lawrence. Hello, everyone. My name is Lawrence Hines, and I chose the word culture, uh, embracing and having pride in your culture unapologetically and feeling safe and connected with your culture. This includes liberation and self-identification, wellness and well-being in all areas and understanding how your culture influences your well-being and your mental health. For this, this was uh, something that really touched me because uh, me, myself, I am a mental health advocate as well, but my mental health advocacy came from dealing with depression, living with and through depression, being a, I guess, a survivor of three suicide attempts. My latest attempt was when I first moved to New York about 10 years ago, uh, I was ready to commit suicide and it failed. 
And I said, you know what, forget what the church people say, forget what black culture says about black people don't go get therapy. I'm gonna go get therapy. And I made a vow to God and myself that if I will try therapy, but if therapy doesn't work, then I will make sure 100% that I successfully commit suicide the next time. And in, along this journey, I found out a lot of myths and hidden things about my life and how things were that I experienced from some of the smallest things they 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 cultivated and they steered my my journey in life, whether it was for the better, but a lot of it wasn't really for the better. You know, a lot of it was attached to religion and how I didn't realize how religion had taken a hold of me so much so that I wasn't able to really live life because I felt like, you know, there was no life without religion. So that's me uh, in my personal life. I'm a brand name marketing consultant. I've been doing that for over uh, 15 years. It's a passion of mine. Uh, I love anything that's creative. And I love, honestly, at this juncture in my life, I love sharing my journey because it saddens me every time I hear of a person of color committing suicide because they don't understand how valuable your mental health is. Your mental health is more valuable than any amount of money or fame you could ever obtain. Wow. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your your story, Lawrence, and for all of you being here. And I guess now I have to introduce myself with the domain. <laughs> and my my domain is also culture. Of course, the word unapologetic is in there. So really, did that that wasn't a far stretch, I don't think. But <laughs> but but I think one of the things that I think about every day and why I do the the podcast is you know, I continue to learn more and more about what it means to be Black, to be Black in America, to be Black in the world, uh, to understand um, what it means to be culturally Black and the impacts of externalized um, racism and racial trauma, especially um, how that has personally impacted my mental health, as well as mental health of Black folks. So, and I want to identify that uh, today in particular, because well, you know, that's just the nature of the podcast is really to understand some of these dynamics and to have people tell their personal stories about living Black. Like, what does it mean to live Black? Um, and, and what can we do to make sure that we can maximize our mental health and overall well-being? So if you haven't guessed, we are talking about well-being. And we're going to talk specifically about the Black well-being model for young Black adults. So I want to start off in um, Crystal, I don't know, could you talk a little bit about your personal story and journey that brought you to focusing on well-being for Black folks in general? And, and just point of disclosure, we met way back in the day. Well, I'm not that old, neither are you. Um, we met uh, doing um, well-being work, actually, um, a while back, uh, national well-being work. So can you talk a little bit about the whole process, the recruitment process, the everything process around this? Yeah, absolutely. And it is hard to believe how long ago we did meet. It wasn't that long, but it was still long enough. And I'm grateful to still be sharing space with you and doing this work, Karis. This was a wonderful opportunity. In July 2021, I ended up being a fellow in the Rutgers Center of Alcohol and Substance Use Studies, WINR, which is Wellness and Recovery Addiction Advocacy Research Fellowship Program. And that's where this work started. Um, so as a fellow in that program, in 2021, we're now a year into the pandemic and all of the data is coming out from different mental health outcomes that were recorded and documented in 2020. 
and um, also in early 2021. And one of the things that stood out to me during this fellow program while looking through the different reports that were being released was the drastic decrease in mental health outcomes for Black people. And so I'm going to read a stat that was part of the kind of impetus for this work. And that is in 2018, 3% of Black respondents to the National Health Interview Survey, or NHIS, reported serious mental health concerns. 3%. By April 2020, this is only one month into the pandemic, this increased to 28%. That to me was shocking, from 3% to 28%. And I thought, what is out there for us? What is being done for us? Because this is severe. And we know that this translates literally to life lost. We know that this translates to um, suicidality. We know that there are high rates of depression and anxiety. And then of course, discrimination and racism in and of themselves contribute to poor mental health outcomes for black people. And so there's this sequence of events happening at a given point of time where we have the things we've always experienced like racism and oppression. Now on top of that, it's compounded by poor access to healthcare, poor services, and um, other features that are preventing us from getting care with COVID from a physical health perspective. And this is causing deteriorating mental health. So while I'm a fellow in this program, I thought, why don't we look at this? Why don't we explore this? And so to the best of my knowledge, there was not and is not until now a well-being model that was developed for and by Black people. So we know that wellness activities like maintaining a social support network, um, physical activities, spending time in nature, all of these different activities are widely accepted as ways to improve well-being um, and improve outcomes for people with mental health needs. But there's nothing that really looks at what does this mean for Black people with mental health conditions? How does this translate? What are the perceptions that Black people have of these widely accepted and embraced models and frameworks that have existed as far as whether or not these are appropriate for us, feasible for us, or acceptable for us? And so what happened at Rutgers was there's a community advisory board, and I worked with that group to talk about a project idea, which was to co-create a well-being model for young Black adults and assess its... um, appropriateness, feasibility, and acceptability with young Black adults. And young Black adults means 18 to 39-year-olds. And so we gathered key informants, yourself included, Karis, uh, and Hakeem was one, seven key informants, all Black people with various levels of uh, lived experience. And we developed a draft, preliminary draft well-being model. We then recruited participants, and we had 11 study participants who um, stayed with us through a couple of months of this uh, pilot study who responded to this draft model, provided feedback, and gave recommendations for revisions. So we engaged in what's known as a Delphi process, where we were engaging in consensus-seeking activities to refine and revise the model in an iterative way until we had at least 70% consensus on the model itself. So when we mentioned these nine domains that exist, uh, we had 70% at least consensus that these are important aspects that contribute to Black well-being. And so what's interesting to me about this study is we held these conversations all virtually because it was uh, 2021 into 2022. So we are in the pandemic. So we had virtual Zoom conversations with participants to really flesh out this model and create something that speaks to the Black experience. And so, again, there were 11 participants that joined um, both of the Delphi rounds and about 73% were born in the US, 27% were born in an African country, 55% identified as women, 
18% identified as men, 55% experienced poor mental health for four or more years, and 64% were using substances for four or more years. And the average age was 29. So we recruited through social media people who identified as Black and also self-identified as having a mental health concern um, or a substance use concern that would make them the ideal I'll say candidates for engaging in this conversation about how well-being can improve mental health. So, um, Hakeem, what made you say yes to being a key informant and part of this work? Um, The opportunity to make wellness accessible. I I thought that was a great opportunity, but not only accessible, give language to it, especially when it comes to the work that I do. The question is, is my being well? I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to take inventory on is my being, the sum total of who I am and all aspects of my life, is it well? And by taking it and looking at these different domains, I can take inventory, a closer inventory on if it's well or not. And then I give agency to myself, give myself permission to go heal or do what I need to do in order for me to have that balance or get whatever I need in that moment. I'm always looking for opportunities to make this conversation one, less stigmatizing, but also raise the awareness. And I think this is an opportunity, a great opportunity for that to happen. How I met Crystal, I was in the community in upstate New York and I had a workshop called Our Minds Matter. And it was really breaking down mental health, the depression, anxiety, and the importance of self-care. And it was really looking at how do I take care of myself, but also how do I witness my community members, if they are having a a mental health challenge. And so this is, I mean, I love this work. So I thought it was a perfect opportunity to really, to look at wellness and how do we make it tangible? Yeah. And also I think, you know, a lot of times people see wellness as a luxury, but this isn't about it being a luxury. It's, it's really about our, our lives. And, you know, as you say, sort of thinking about, is my being well, there's nothing luxurious about that. It's just something that we have to kind of put into our daily process. Yeah. And it it was funny because that came up in one of our presentations. Um, One of the participants said, you know, at one point in my life, I thought wellness as a luxury. And I I just, it made me pause and really reflect on how many folks feel like they don't have access to it because it's a luxury. Here I am trying to survive and make things work and make things happen that this is so out of reach that I, it's not even something that I can think about. And so I think this, this tool makes it tangible and uh, again, gives agency for me to take inventory on is my being well? And if it's not, let me go get creative. Let me go connect to the community. Let me go find a way to connect to my spirituality. Let me take inventory on my culture. Like it, it just, it gives you permission for you to own your life. Wow. So Lawrence, what was it like actually being a part of the pilot study? Uh, you know, it was, it was a very powerful moment. Uh, it was a moment, honestly, where I felt like mental health and depression was actually getting recognition, getting a voice, getting eyes on it. Because you talk, you could talk about mental health and depression, but typically, and you know, we all know uh, are familiar with typically when things are done, it's it's focused mainly on white Americans or, you know, Caucasians. But for this particular one, I was so proud to hear how they really wanted this conversation to be palatable and understanding to those of the Black experience. 
because like I said, you know, talking about mental health as a, as a whole is great, but each culture have their own interaction with mental health and depression. Like for me in a black culture, we don't get therapy. Therapy is a white person's thing, right? You don't tell nobody about your problems. You you suck it up, you deal with it. And, and what I really hope that this does is show people that dealing with mental health is not going out and shooting other people. Dealing with mental health is not going out and fighting and being disruptive. Dealing with mental health takes help and it takes tools that we may not be used to or accustomed to having at our disposal. Yeah, that's so powerfully put. I mean, I think a lot of times in our community, we'll we'll hear stories of, well, you know, Uncle Ted, you know, and that the teeth get sucked, uh, you know, uh, he just a little touched, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So we use different language. We have different ways of articulating about that experience and the whole, you know, we don't air our dirty laundry is sort of Again, people have heard me say this on the podcast several times. It's, it's a saying and not to say that mental health is dirty, but it is um, sort of our belief around protecting ourselves um, and how people see us, that people, it's hard for people to, to think of in our own community. We don't want to be seen as vulnerable, in other words. So that's why we don't air our stuff. Like we try to always show up strong and all that kind of stuff many times. So how are you using the model now and how do you talk about it, Lawrence? I uh, actually took a step back when the, when the model first came back and I said, hold on, before I can even speak on this, am I doing every aspect of this? Because one thing that I was accustomed to is being a hypocrite, right? Growing up in a church, I tell people like what I really learned from church, if you want to be real about what I learned from church, I learned how to be a hypocrite, a manipulator, and how to put on this fake smile when everything is going wrong. And then another thing is how to put attention on other people when I'm going through desperation. Cause I don't want you to, as you said, I don't want you to see my vulnerability. I don't want you to see my sadness. I want to put on this facade that, you know, I got it. You know, I'm the good Christian. I, you know, I'm Job and I'm all, I'm, I'm successful. Right. But that's something that even in just my life now, I don't speak to things if I'm not doing it myself. So I took a step back and said, okay, let me go through this and make sure that me, myself, I'm utilizing all these tools myself, because what I refuse to do is show up like people showed up in my life growing up as a hypocrite. I'm not here to judge nobody. I'm, I, I tell people all the time, I'm going through things just like you. I will speak on what I have personally went through or what I personally know is true because I'm practicing it in that moment. So, yeah, that's how I, I definitely I, I use it. And then I share it with other people. And when I have friends that I've shared it with and I tell them, you know what, don't try to tackle it all at one time. If you feel like there are certain areas that you are lacking and lacking doesn't mean failure. Lacking does not mean that you're less than anybody. And I think that's something that is not talked about in the black community is that if you are not 100 percent or if you're not whole, then you're not worthy. It's like, no, just like life, just like a degree, just like when you learn how to cook, you pick up the skills as you go. You don't try to become a master chef when you say, oh, I'm going to be a chef today. Oh, well, if I'm not a master chef tomorrow, then I'm a failure. No, it's a journey. So, I, And that's the analogy I'd use when I use when I show this to other people that may feel a little overwhelmed. I'm like, no, go to this, go to this category, go to culture, look at it, become, become one with that one and then move on. 
I love that. I mean, I love um, this idea of walking the talk, <laughs> like, you know, like really being earnest about owning your own stuff and then being able to help people um, recognize what they can do um, with the model in their own time and also where they are. And this idea of being the master chef, as if I would ever pick up a pot and pan, not going to happen. But I do understand the analogy. I'm sorry, I don't like to cook. Um, but totally get the analogy. If I wanted to learn how to cook, I would not be a master chef tomorrow. That I have to learn through mistakes. But that that's how learning happens. And also um, that we don't talk about that much. So so it does, I think, put people in a position of thinking I have to be expert at it already. I have to show that I'm expert at it already. So I really love you being able to break that down for folk and um, help people also see where they have a strength. So, you know, if you see some place where, wow, I'm already doing that really well, where some other places also where it's like, I'm going to try to give this out and see how this works for me as the next step. It's all about know better, do better. So if you didn't know, you can't hold yourself accountable of holding up a, a measurement or holding up this knowledge that you didn't know. Know better, do better, then move forward. Okay. Y'all are dropping mad wisdom. What, what, what am I going to do with all this wisdom? I just don't even, <laughs> I'm just like snaps, claps, everything. Go ahead, Crystal. Yeah, thank you. I just want to add to this conversation, something that's unique about this model is that we positioned it in a broader context. So there's a PDF that people will be able to access. And at the upfront before describing the nine domains, it notes that the model uh, acknowledges the impact of historical, structural, systemic, interpersonal, and internalized racism and trauma on health and well-being. So to this conversation of, am I doing enough? Am I enough? Did I reach a certain marker? Did I pass you know, a certain place that I ought to be or any of that? We try to diminish some of that to say, again, we all have our own strengths. We all come from where we're at. And we're living in a society where there's patriarchy, there's racism, there's sexism, there are various forms of oppression that are not making it easy to be well, right? Not making it easy for that being to be well. So we can look at this as a guide, look at it as aspirational, look at it as a tool to inform areas where we may want to improve, but understand that there will be unfortunately, forces and conditions that might make it difficult that are external. And we can still look at what's in our power to do today. Right, right. Snaps, claps, thumbs up on that. And I love that that is the first thing that you read when you go to the website about the the model, um, about that um, contextualization, the context in which all of this sits, especially as it impacts uh, uh, Black folk. So First of all, can somebody just name, I don't need you to read out the uh, definitions because I want people to go to the website and read them. We're not going to spoon feed. Y'all can do this. I know you can. Um, Can you tell us what the nine domains are since we've only talked about a few of them personally for us? Yes, absolutely. I'll just list them off quickly. Community and connection, creativity, culture, health, money, purpose, self-empowerment, sexuality, and spirituality. Those are the nine. So let's talk about a few other things before we move into to wrap up, because I want to talk about some presentations that you all have been giving. So it's getting out there in the world. So can you talk a little bit about some of the presentations that you've been giving, as well as questions that you've had around um, this work and maybe other work that's that's out there? 
Yeah, I'll start off with um, some of the presentations that we've done, and then I'll see if Hakeem and Lawrence want to add anything about questions that have been coming up while they've been kind of putting this out in the field in a different way beyond these kind of formal presentations. So we, in March, did a presentation for Rutgers University Behavioral Health Care Intensive Recovery Treatment Support as a learning, part of a learning collaborative for them. Um, I spoke about this for United Way of the Greater Capital Region here in upstate New York as part of a women's health equity event in March. We tapped in with the SAMHSA, African American Behavioral Health Center of Excellence, and they have a, a wonderful fellow program, the African American Behavioral Health Diversity Leadership Fellows Academy. We gave a presentation to them in this podcast, of course. So we're really out here trying to let people know that this is, exists as a new tool. And right now it is the PDF that lists the domains and describes it. There's a wonderful graphic of a tree that goes with it that was created by uh, Jade Warwick here in upstate New York at Trash Kid Art on Instagram. It's an amazing design. And um, we're also building out beyond that. Some of the feedback we got from participants was this was great and now what do I do with this bucket, you know, like I understand what spirituality is and I need help. I understand the domain of sexuality. I need help. So it was very clear just through the Delphi rounds that people are going to need and deserve more than this uh, one page PDF. So we'll be getting feedback and have been getting feedback at these various presentations and building out facilitator guides, tools. We created some um, well-being cards for the Center of Excellence that they gave out to their fellow participants, just looking at what are ways to make this accessible, make it something that people want to engage with. And ultimately, this will lead to a self-directed or peer-led manual that people can use in support groups or on their own to really codify this and have it something that people can keep moving forward with. Like Lauren said, you don't have to do it all at once. What's an area that's loud for you today and how can you move forward and how can we co-create and co-produce some recommendations on how to get from here to there? Yeah, there's a lot of excitement around it because some folks are, are familiar with other tools to kind of take inventory on your, your wellness. But to say young Black adults, it was very specific and taking into consideration historical trauma and, you know, systemic oppression. How do I uh, look at some of these things and how, how can I move past some of these things and how does it not like oppress me while I'm aware of the oppression? Um, so it, it was just, uh, um, the excitement was really cool and, and it kind of put a fire up under myself to like reach out to Crystal, like, how can we, and where can we promote this? How can we talk about it even more? We have to do something on Instagram. Like that's just, you know, I love Instagram lives. And so I have to do that. I have an opportunity for folks to just kind of, I guess, look at it a little bit more and ask questions because we do want folks to use it. I had another question about some questions that came up about the 1619 project and um, wanting to know more about um, uh, supplementary education on Black history and its impact. Yeah. Can somebody address that? Because that's really interesting. Yeah. Thanks for asking that. And um, one of the presentations that we did, like I mentioned, we've kind of been on tour with this. And Hakeem is absolutely right. I posted the infographic to Instagram. It was like the models out. And Hakeem hit me up almost instantly. Like, when are we presenting on it? What audiences? How are we getting this out there now? Um, and one of the presentations that we did, there was a question about, does this, would we perceive this as relating to the 1619 Project or otherwise, where do we see this um, sitting in a larger context of a need for education on Black history and the impact of 
racism and oppression in this country. And to that, I, we would say absolutely this fits in with understanding why is there medical mistrust? Why is there a lack of utilization of mental health services? Why is there underutilization? What are barriers to access? What is the history with misdiagnoses of people of color and Black people specifically? So this on its own is great. And if people do the self-discovery, self-awareness, self-education of learning, why did we even feel we need this? You know, what is the history that led to us getting here that only would help people to, I think, understand the domains, understand, again, the upfront setup on um, the uh, structures that we're all residing in, and also understand some of the language that is used in this. You know, why do we have rest as part of creativity? And so I think for those people who are, would be using this tool or accessing it, it could be helpful to understand the history of Black mental health, Black health, Black well-being in this country. Yeah, and in addition to that, um, understanding like some of this didn't start with us. I think in that moment, there was this aha moment of some of the trauma didn't start with me. This is intergenerational. And if I'm conditioned to respond in a certain way based on intergenerational wounds, uh, it makes sense. Now I get the agency to do something different though. And I think that understanding the history and, and the, the, the context of systemic oppression and sitting with someone and saying, this didn't start with you, is that seed planted for the healing journey or can be the seed planted for the healing journey. And that intergenerational trauma is, is a thing, but also intergenerational healing is also a thing. How can we look at the, the history of the healing tools that we already do and in, in doing so, being intentional about it? Thank you so much for talking about not being oppressed by the oppression. <laughs> you know what I mean? And being able to, to frame it as part of our healing journey, not just the, the trauma history, but the part about the healing journey, I think is so powerful. So... There is so much more we could talk about, but before I wrap up, everybody knows I do this. I ask everybody to think about, it's a wisdom dropping time, in other words. <laughs> so think about that one piece of wisdom that you would like to leave our audience with before we wrap up. I'll go first. Um, I mentioned that this was a co-produced pilot study, co-produced product that we have here. Co-production is an equal relationship between people who use services and the people responsible for services. So if I think of this wisdom dropping, I want to point out who is even on this podcast, that I was the co-I, the co-investigator of the study. Hakeem was a key informant like you, Karis, and Lawrence, a participant. We represent the levels of moving this forward. So the wisdom drop is to encourage listeners to work with their communities, regardless of where you are in community, and to be able to facilitate change and transformation without leaving people out and ensuring that people's voices are heard. I think that this is, I started this conversation with saying people felt seen in this project. And I think that there's space for all of us who are doing any kind of behavioral health work in the field to be able to include more voices and not leave people out. So that's the the wisdom. I hope this, pro this project um, and this study is an example to people of how this can work to hear from people and have these voices matter. Yeah, I, I would say continue healing out loud and normalize vulnerability. I think this is a, a wonderful tool to have conversations with family, with community, with friends. Say you listen to this amazing podcast and these 
amazing podcasters and, and sharing that this is a tool that I can actually take inventory and have conversation about where am I in my life? And while doing so, take inventory of where I'm not where I want to be, but I'm sure as hell not where I used to be. And I think that's so important and celebrate that. Hakeem, Hakeem, you said something at the end. <laughs> you said something now. Um, you know what? I honestly, I, Black folk, my Black folk, I need y'all to listen to this right here, please. Mental health and depression is not a social media challenge, is not a hashtag, is not something that you just do to get attention or more followers. This is serious. And also understand that when it comes to mental health, when it comes to depression, there are different variations of it. And just because someone someone's experience with depression is not as severe as somebody else's doesn't mean that it's it's not worthy to be acknowledged. But at the end of the day, if you are not experiencing depression on levels of other people, don't try to exasperate your story to get attention because then you do more harm, not only to yourself, but then those people who really, really are struggling on a deep level day after day after day. Again, our, our stories all matter, but don't make talking about mental health and depression something that's just like a fad or something that you do just for social media because this is life and death. And we have seen it. A lot of our people are passing away day after day, week after week. And with that, when you talk about your journey, also stressing tools that you're using to come out of that place. Don't just talk about the place you're in. And if you need help, reach out to people. Even if it's somebody you don't know or somebody you know, reach out for help because if you can get the tools to help you. But if you get the tools and don't use them, you still can't get any help. Okay. I am moved beyond words. Um, the wisdom that you shared, the last wisdom dropping, I have nothing more to add other than my complete and utter gratitude for the work that you all do and for involving me in it. But most importantly, for coming and having this conversation, as Lawrence said, for our Black people, listen up, right? If you're not a Black person, share it with a Black person and listen up so you can understand what Black people are going through and the tools that we have um, also for our own healing. So I want to thank Crystal, Hakeem, and Lawrence for joining me today on Unapologetically Black Unicorns. Thank you so much. And for our listeners, you all know what to do. As my producer says, like, comment, subscribe, but most importantly, share. You've heard why it's important to share this information. So make sure to share the information. It's not about the likes. It's not about the subscribers. It's about ensuring people get the information so that their lives can improve. So thank you so much. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on Unapologetically Black Unicorns.